0: For the persecutor.
1: Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. As we start out this week, I want to give you a little bit of backstory. We're going to hear from a woman that we will simply call Jane. And Jane has an incredible story of God's faithfulness, even as her husband was martyred in the Middle East. I recorded this interview with Jane almost a decade ago. But after we taped the conversation, there was some concern about whether or not it might endanger gospel co-workers of Jane and her late husband, who were still active in the Middle East, still sharing the gospel there. So we didn't air the interview in the months after we sat down in the studio together. But it's an amazing story, and I wanted you to be able to hear from Jane. So every 18 months or so since then, I've reached out to Jane and said, hey, is it safe now? Have things changed on the ground? Has maybe enough time passed that we can share your story safely now? A few weeks ago, I got a note back from Jane. She had checked with others in the region and the answer was finally, yes, it's okay to share the interview now. When I got that note, I thought, what better week to share Jane's story then IDOP weekend, when so many people are praying for persecuted Christians, and when hearing about persecuted Christians in their church, I know that you're going to be blessed by Jane's incredible story of faithfulness and sacrifice in the Middle East. Jane, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Your story takes place uh, in the Middle East and as we watch the news we know that uh, that's not a safe part of the world for Christians, it's not a safe part of the world for Americans. How did God call you and your family uh, out of comfortable life in America to go half a world away into a dangerous place to serve him?
2: From a young age I I knew I was called to Live overseas. in fifth grade, I had a um to do a project in my public school about what my dream was, and my dream was to move to a foreign country and tell people about Jesus. Yeah, so that's been on my heart from a young age. and when I met my husband, his heart was also missions minded, and he was actually the one deeply impacted by the events of nine eleven. That was a turning point in his life where he got more serious about the Lord. And ultimately, God ended up giving him a heart for Muslims. And that coincided with my heart to go to a place where people don't know about Jesus.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned nine eleven because I know after nine eleven there was a great deal of anger towards Muslims and even hatred towards Muslims. Uh, so it's interesting to hear that God used that to turn love towards Muslims and a desire to go and and minister to them.
2: Yeah, I guess it's the way the upside down kingdom works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your husband was killed uh, working in the Middle East. And I want, I I know we can't go into a lot of details about that, but I want you to share that day, just kind of your heart and what, how you found out and, and what your initial response was to that Really tragic and shocking loss, uh,
2: yeah, I don't know how to explain it. it was just out of it seemed like out of the blue, a friend had contacted me saying something had happened to a foreigner, and they weren't sure who it was, but that they couldn't get a hold of my husband, and so that I should just wait until I heard further news and um it was maybe about thirty minutes later that a uh, his colleague came to our house and Told us that my husband, who was in a car, well, at the point, at that point, we thought it was a car accident, but um, later found out he was killed.
1: And what was your first response?
2: My first response was denial, and that it couldn't possibly be true. And um, definitely, I wanted to go see the body and pray that Jesus would raise him from the dead, and that's what we did. <laughs> so, Maybe about an hour and a half later, we were able to do that. We prayed over him and asked that the Lord would raise him from the dead. Um, And maybe just about 15 minutes or 20 minutes that we prayed. And then, you know, we we prayed one last time and said, okay, we're going to accept whatever happens. You know, this is what God has.
1: Did you sense God's presence in those? Did, Did you have anger? Did you feel frustrated? Or did you just kind of work through it very quickly to come to accept it? Or
2: Um, I don't think there was anger initially. I think later, probably six months to a year later, there was maybe some of that that I faced. But initially it was acceptance. And I I mean, I was definitely in a lot of shock, but I feel like the grace of God really carried me through that time. And um, there were certain experiences in my life prior to that where I feel the Lord had prepared me for this. I had gone through some other difficult things and felt that God used his grace to sustain me during this time. And yeah, he really brought me through those initial days.
1: How much had you thought about it beforehand? I mean, you're you're an American, you're working in the Middle East, you know there's danger there. Is this something that you thought, you know, I wonder if something like that will happen to us? Or was it something you just sort of tried not to think about?
2: <laughs> it wasn't at the forefront of my mind, but it was definitely a reality that we we all lived with. The cost that you need to count living in a country like that. But it was something that we felt we were called to do. And Just trusted that if that would ever happen, if one of us were ever killed, that he would give us the grace and strength to live through that. And yeah, he certainly has done that.
1: An interesting thing happened in the days after your husband was killed. The people of the community really stepped forward in anger about the fact that here, our guest, this person who's been helping our community has been killed why do you think they responded that way? And was that an encouragement to you that to see people step forward and say, this should never have happened?
2: Yeah, it was It was definitely encouraging to me to see the local people taking the side of, of the American victim and, um, you know, even protesting the terrorist groups. I just wish that could have made top news here in America um, because it's something we don't often see, you know, the local people rallying behind an American who was unjustly killed.
1: A week before your husband was killed, he was involved in kind of a ministry thing where God really showed up in a powerful way. Can you can you share a little bit about how that happened and, and the encouragement that it was to know that that had happened even right before he was killed?
2: Yeah, it was simply a training for the locals. And they shared different stories that had principles from the kingdom of God.
1: People were impacted by that. And one of the things you said, you talked about discipling Muslims even before they became believers. Can you share a little bit about that strategy and, and why that's such a significant thing?
2: Well, I think even here in America, that's a, a good strategy for us to have is to simply just live our lives in an open way sharing our our faith in natural ways sharing the truth before people are are even open to the to the gospel i think when we live our lives as a as an open book they can see jesus more clearly and we don't have to get people to get on our side before we start talking to them about these things but yeah, that was kind of the approach we had living in the Middle East just sharing our our faith in very practical ways and just bringing up the love of God and and his ways in just very natural
1: ways. And you mentioned that uh, after your husband's death you saw some fruit. Is there any part of that that you can share in a very general way? Because I think it would encourage our listeners to know that this sacrifice was not in vain. There there has been very definite and very positive things that have happened uh, for the kingdom because of it.
2: Yeah, I don't think I can go into a lot of detail, but there has certainly been fruit as a result of my late husband's death. He, Yeah, we've heard different stories of different ones who have come to faith after— Realizing that he had come to this country and ultimately gave up his life for the things that he believed, it caused different ones to take a closer look at the principles and the faith that he had. And the Holy Spirit definitely was touching different ones and speaking to them. And I like to give the illustration of like a catapult. I feel like I could have lived and worked in that country my whole life and not seen the fruit that we're seeing now, and that God used my husband's death to kind of catapult his plans and purposes for that nation and for the people there. He's certainly not the first one to have died in that country and won't be the last one, I'm sure. But I believe that all of the people who have died for their faith not only in that country, but in that area of the world, that that God uses those things. He takes anything and everything that we can give him, and he redeems it and uses it in the best way possible, even though it wouldn't be the way we would choose. You know, his ways are not our ways, but it's amazing to see how he can use what we have to offer him.
1: What would you like people to know about your husband that— uh... I think we have a tendency to, when someone dies for their faith, to kind of elevate them and think, wow, they must have been a super Christian, a great, amazing person. What would you like people to know, or what do you remember that is uh, more normal?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, I like to point that out a lot, that he was just a normal person who loved the Lord, like any one of us who made mistakes and... (laughs) You know, wasn't perfect, but he was a great dad. He was a great husband, and loved the Lord and loved the people around him. He really enjoyed um, living where we lived, and he really entered into um, the culture there, and, you know, he kind of felt like he was living his dream being there. And I know that he would have no regrets having decided to live there, and I don't either, you know, I feel like that was where— we were called to be, and we always felt so blessed to be able to live out the calling that we felt God had for us. And so that's one of the greatest joys you can have in life is being obedient to the Lord and, yeah, knowing that you're you're in his will.
1: <laughs> There's a verse in Psalms 68 where God identifies himself as the defender of the widow. How have you experienced that truth uh, in the the time since your husband was killed?
2: He has definitely provided for all of our needs. It's really (laughs) mind-blowing when I think of how he continues to provide for us, and he's been really faithful, and it's been amazing to see the support from family and friends and even just the church at large, people I didn't even know just pouring out their Love and support, and just practically and prayer support. It's really been a blessing to be on the receiving end of of all of that generosity, and um, yeah.
1: What's been the hardest thing?
2: I, I definitely had gone through difficult seasons where there was a lot of questioning. God, you know, why? Why did you allow this to happen? Why? All the questions we have as humans. Here I was in, you know, a difficult country, you know, I had basically given my life to the Lord and said, here, God, use this. And you take my husband from me, you know, what is that? I feel like just being real and honest with the Lord, he knows our heart, he knows what we're thinking and feeling anyway, so why try to hide it?
1: What brought you through those times of really questioning the Lord and saying, how could you let this happen? How did you work your way through those?
2: the lord i feel like he just eventually gave me peace just the truth that his his ways are not our ways and i as a human can never understand why this happened although i have also come to appreciate the fact that you know god has given us free will and and free choice to make our own decisions and choose to love him and and because of that there is evil in the world and he doesn't control all of our decisions. And so because of that, you know, there are men who can choose evil ways and and they kill and destroy families. And at the same time, I'm thankful that God gives us that choice to, to choose love and to choose him. And unfortunately, along with the choice to choose him comes the choice to not choose him and there are repercussions for those things. And so while I don't understand why I do understand that my God is a redeemer and he can redeem anything. He can take any situation and use it for his glory. And I've seen that in in my story now. You know, I've seen God use what seems like a senseless murder for his glory. And I used to think that was kind of a (laughs) cop-out. But it's really true. (laughs) He really does. He really can use anything for his glory.
1: How have your children made it through this time, uh, because they lost their dad?
2: Yeah, we talk a lot <laughs> about that. And it's a common topic in our in our household. It was difficult for me to be the strong one for them and to give the right answers. And you know, it it's some sometimes I was just raw and honest with them and said, you know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why, you know. I miss Daddy too. I wish he was here. But that's not what's the case now and and we need to accept that and and trust that God is still faithful. He's still providing for our family, you know, and kind of just focus on all the things we do have to be thankful for. And that's something I've I've definitely learned through all of this is a heart of gratitude despite difficult circumstances. A lot of times it was all I had left to cling to was to purposely take the viewpoint of seeing what I do have to be thankful for. And, you know, even though I had a lot that I was that was difficult to accept, there was still always something to be thankful for. And it's just something that I kind of hit home with the boys. You know, well, what do we have to be thankful for? And they would often find you know, even just the smallest things that we could be thankful for.
1: You are uh, about to enter into a new chapter of your life and really, I think, a a sign of God's faithfulness and and a sign of His care for you. Can you share a little bit about that?
2: Sure. (laughs) I recently met another man, and uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend, and he asked if I would marry him on Easter, which I think was a An appropriate day, (laughs) you know, a day of God redeeming, his redeeming love and his His story of redemption. Um, So he asked me to marry him on Easter, and we're engaged to be married in August.
1: That is great. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) As we finish up our time together, I would like to ask first, um, we always want to encourage our listeners to be people of prayer. Uh, and so my first question is, how can we pray for you and for your family? Uh, and then my second question is, how can we pray for the Middle East and uh, a part of the world that we see on the news every night? Uh, but how should we be in prayer for that part of the world?
2: Well, as far as for my family, I guess just that we would embrace this new chapter and just for direction as we we figure out what is, what is next, what God has for us. As for the Middle East, they always need our prayers. (laughs) Honestly, the political situation in so many countries over there is so confusing and overwhelming. And I guess we just need to pray that, that God would move, that the local believers would be strengthened and encouraged, and that the Holy Spirit would move in their lives and give them favor in their respective countries. And just to realize that you know, a lot of times we see all the fighting and everything, and we kind of generalize that all of the people in that country are terrible and part of terrorist groups, but they're not. You know, I've I've gotten to know my neighbors, having lived in the Middle East, and they're just normal people like you and I who want peace and would like to have a government where their voice is heard and there is some stability in their lives, and you know, when you when you live in the Middle East and you hear your neighbors talking about terrorists and you realize, oh, they're not the terrorists, <laughs> their lives are being torn apart by these terrorists, and, and um, it just gives you a whole different perspective. Yeah, we can just pray that there would be some just governments set up in these lands.
1: Last question I want to ask you, is there a particular passage of Scripture that God has really brought? into your life since the death of your husband, uh, that's something that you go back to again and again as a sort of a touchstone or a, a place of strength.
2: Jeremiah twenty nine eleven has always been kind of a life first for me. It's always just been like, and for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And to cling to that even in difficult times has been a foundation for my life,
1: and it's interesting in that chapter, he's also talking about 70 years of exile, <laughs> so it's not like everything's all peachy, it's like even when you're away and when you're suffering, I have plans for you for good things, yeah. Which we like the part about the good things, we don't like the oh, by the way, 70 years of hard times,
2: yeah. In this world, we will have trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world, so <laughs>
1: amen. <laughs> Jane, thank you very much for your testimony. Thank you for sharing it. And I encourage our listeners to pray for you and your family. Thank you.
0: Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax-deductible in Australia. This has been a production of VOM Oz Radio, Voice for the Persecuted.